After two decades of conversations, there's always a story to share. 20 years of Cape Talk. Join the conversation. Yeah, boy, yes, indeed, at seven minutes past eight today, we carry on the countdown and looking at 2004, I'm joined in studio by the very first person to run this radio station, really, Mr. Mike Wells, uh, general manager. He is also a breakfast presenter. We're all trying to play catch up at the moment. Mike, one day I will sound as good as you did. <laughs> Hello, Kenny. Uh, good so, morning. So, so great having you. Flattery, will, this flattery will get you everywhere right at the start. This, this, this is a good thing. Mike, before we even talk about elections and we talk about the juxtaposition of national elections, Western Cape elections, I'd like to just talk about two things you've brought into studio this morning and what we'll do is take a photograph put that on our social media and you'll have a look this takes me back to the days before i even uh, contemplated five six seven medium wave cape talk and i opened up the cape times and the cape argus um and this thing was just blanketed with Cape Talk advertising. Just yeah, take, on take on, us on launch day, we did something yeah. that I don't think has been done before or since in South Africa, and I, very rarely around the world. We took every single ad in the Cape Times and the Cape Argus. This was in the era when people actually read the Cape Times and read the Cape <laughs> Argus, but we took every single ad. Every other ad was knocked out of the paper, and it's just sea of yellow Cape Talk advertising, page after page after page after page, and including some of the classifieds as well. And the point about it was to make sure that nobody could be unaware that we were launching a radio station on the 14th of October. And I've kept uh, the Cape Times and the Cape Argus and brought them in for you to see. And phenomenal growth within that first year, what, 50,000? Yeah, look, it was it was hard going because the big challenge when we launched the radio station was to get people to find it mm. because there'd been no medium wave in Cape Town since the early 1960s. We actually had to build a mast out of Clipable. And people in Cape Town just didn't know about medium wave. And it also didn't help that some radio dials had MW and some had AM. Yep. So most of what we had to do in that first six months to a year, and I still think people have this problem, is find the damn radio station. Absolutely. Because they were only used to the FM dial. And the reason for that is South Africa had one of the earliest migrations to FM uh, in the world. And FM is high quality, of course. But the South African government did that. Because medium wave signals can reach radio stations from outside the borders. Correct. Whereas FM is only line of sight. So they were very keen to make sure all radio was on FM so that you couldn't pick up the BBC or Voice of America or Radio Freedom or Radio Moscow or whatever your, your poison might have been. And so they basically scrapped the medium wave dial. So most Cape Townians didn't have a clue where to find the radio yep. station, even if they knew it existed. So that was the big challenge in that, uh, in that first 18 months. Well, compared to places like Australia, where medium wave is the thing where they listen to talk radio on medium wave, and it's the done thing there. Uh, yeah, these days, if you suggest taking out an ad in every, on every single page, I think it's a great recipe to get fired. But <laughs> it was a great strategy. But, Mike, let's, let's talk about some – let's move, as I said, to 2004, the elections uh, which saw President Tabo Mbeki re-elected and the ANC taking power in the Western Cape for the very first time. Yeah, it wasn't a very interesting election nationally, yep. 2004. We didn't get yep. terribly excited about it. Tabo yep. was re-elected. I think the ANC actually increased their share to some people's bewilderment during that <laughs> national election. But locally it was fascinating. That was the first and only time the ANC won the Western Cape. Mm. Ibrahim Asul became Premier. They got 45% of the vote. Now, the ANC would dream of that now. They're in yep. the low 30s at best. So Ibrahim Rasul became Premier. It was the first time they took all nine provinces, and Noma India Mfaketo was mayor of Cape Town. So they controlled both the city and the province, the only time they've ever had that. It didn't last long. Next municipal elections, yep. uh, the DA took control. 
And I remember just shortly after that election, one of the most extraordinary events in South African political history. Martinus van Skolkvijk led the National Party into the ANC. So they called it a merger. It was actually a swallowing up. Uh, Martinez got a comfortable cabinet seat and the party vanished. Mm. Now, if you had said at any point in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, even 90s, that the party that created apartheid, the National Party, was going to end up merging with the ANC, (laughs) people would have thought you're crazy. But that happened in 2004, and I'm still a little bit bewildered by it. I certainly am. The one thing, though, Martinez actually went on to be a reasonably decent minister, I think, of tourism. Yeah, he, he got himself a job. He did very well yeah. out of it. Um, his party. Party looked, well. That's, <laughs> another, that's another story. And, and, and also, I mean, post, you know, uh, 1994 and the rest of it, the Western Cape was still the province that voted for the National Party to run the province. So, and, we, and we sort of forget, and when you look at what's going on in the DA at yeah. the moment here, we all forget that just like the ANC is a mixture of uh, UDF and ANC and Robin Islanders and internals and exiles, Yes, the DA is a construct of old Nats, old progs, and ID members, plus a new generation that don't have any of that. Yes. So people remember their origins. So what you've got going on in the local DA at the moment is an awful lot of ID history. Correct. Independent Democrats, a lot of old gnats still floundering around, a lot of old progs, and they all, they're all they not entirely comfortable with each other. And a lot of that was going on then. But, geez, these were strange days in, when we had uh, an ANC Premier in Leuvenhoff and an ANC Mayor at City Hall, <laughs> and we haven't seen anything like that ever since. And what followed after that politically mm. yeah. was something we're still living with, uh, was that Shabir Sheikh went on trial for corruption and Correct. fraud in Durban. In late 2004. And that's where Stephen Curtis really made his name. Uh, Now Midday Report, of course, outstanding presenter. Mm -hmm. But I have such a clear memory on this show, listening to Stephen Curtis day after day, breaking down that complicated case brilliantly. Very hard thing to do. Anyone who's had to report on a case knows this is difficult. But he really made his name, and he brought home this trial. And we were all listening with fascination, assuming that not only was Shabir Sheikh on trial, but Jacob Zuma was on trial, and we assumed that if Sheikh was guilty of corrupting Jacob Zuma, then as night follows day, Jacob Zuma would be charged with being corrupted by Shabir Sheikh, and that verdict came out in 2005, and we're still waiting for the prosecution of Jacob Zuma. We continue, we'll continue waiting while Sean the Sheep runs the NPA. But it it just felt so inevitable, of course, when he was found guilty, uh, Tom Mm. and Becky sacked Jacob Zuma, and we all know what that spun off into, but it seems extraordinary that... uh, what, 13 years on from the start of that trial, we still don't have uh, charges lodged. Uh, it's a remarkable state of affairs. I think you know, having, having had dinner with a very, very senior cabinet minister once and talking about this transition from Tabumbeki to, to Jacob Zuma, I was told by this cabinet minister, you know, we've had enough people in our own family and within the struggle who died of HIV AIDS and it was almost untenable to deal with Thabo Mbeki. And this minister said, I've asked Manto, why are you continuing with these policies? And she said, well, he's my boss. I've got to do what my boss tells me. And that, I think, is where things changed behind the scenes. Well, well. that was a huge undercurrent issue in 2004. We really were right in the middle of that debate around AIDS policy. It was a huge amount this year. But on a lighter note, Mm -hmm. 2004, remember, was the year we were meant to host the Olympics. That's correct. And that takes me back to the launch of Cape Talk. We launched, I think, two weeks after 
the decision by the IOC, where we naively assumed Cape Town was going to get the Olympics. Of course, we didn't. Athens got the game. But throughout 2004, I kept looking around thinking, thank goodness we didn't win the Olympics. <laughs> because I remember that every day I thought, boy, can you imagine if we're now four months away from hosting the Olympics here? We had not a prayer, not a prayer. It was one of the most naive things I ever saw was our bid for the Olympics. But... In 2004, we did learn that we were going to host the 2010 FIFA World Cup. So Correct. that was a big celebration. But that Olympics, which did finally happen in Athens, and everyone will remember this, uh, the high point, of course, was that astonishing uh, freestyle men's relay, the swimming, uh, when South Africa won gold and broke the world record. And it was a classic. You had the Australians who had Ian Thorpe and the Americans who had Michael Phelps, and they were obsessed with each other, and they were busy... <laughs> hammering each other in and out of the pool yes. and they get to the gold you know the the blue ribboned event this men's four by 100 moves and the south africans smash between the two of them and and get this extraordinary world record it was a wonderful moment in south african sport and an interesting question for anyone listening i reckon most people remember that and i reckon most people unprompted yeah. would get rake nettling and roland skuman correct how many people know the other two of the awesome foursome? I wouldn't have a clue. I think people should SMS or WhatsApp or text or whatever and see. Let's see who remembers these two other guys. And in a relay, everybody contributes. You're only yes. as strong as your weakest link. These two other guys who are part of that epic foursome. Who were they? Rake Nettling, yes, everyone knows. Roland Schoolman. Who were the other two in the, in the awesome foursome that had that uh, astonishing moment? Mm. Uh, nobody expected that to happen. But you know why people won't remember, right? The abs weren't as well developed. Oh, they were. I remember that. I remember, <laughs> I remember half of Cape Town melting at that picture across the front page of the Cape Times yes. of these four guys with their bodies out of the water. And everyone going, ah! And the one other thing, yes. uh, a very sad moment in that year, was the death of Brenda Farsi. Yes, that's right. And, I mean, I think she was the, the greatest pop star we've ever produced, an mm. extraordinary figure. And I remember, I remember her death very clearly. I remember being on air and feeling how sad yeah. it was, but that also took me back to the launch of Cape Talk because late 97, when we were getting the station going, and early 98, uh, Brenda Farsi had made this remarkable comeback. Mm -hmm. She'd been in the wilderness for years, and she produced that album, Mameza, Yes. Uh, that had Vulindlela as the hit, and that really was the soundtrack of that time. If you ask me for one song that I associate with that time when we were, I was yeah, desperately running like a headless chicken trying to get this radio station together, <laughs> going through, you know, it was an amazing, it was a privilege to launch a radio station, but it was a very difficult challenge. And if you asked me for the soundtrack of that time, I reckon it would be this one. Brrr, fabulous. fabulous. And of course, the ANC hijacked that song in the 99 elections. They used that as their theme song, and it was all over the radio as part of their ads yep. for the election campaign, which I always was a bit aggrieved about. 
to hijack such an epic, iconic South African song and turn it yep. into a political one it was a great pity. But that was a fabulous track, and that that I really remember as as, as the song of '97 when we were getting this radio station up and running. Well, at least they're helping us out these days. They've started dabbing, <laughs> um, so they will reverse their fortunes. Have hopefully. we got anyone contributing on who the other four of the awesome four are? I hope somebody's no, no. awake. Do we have up. anything, team? Okay, surely, we surely go. someone remembers ah, these. Ah, there we go. Darren Townsend and Lyndon Ferns. Those are two. Nettling Skirman, Lyndon Ferns, and Darren Townsend. Uh, ah. Awesome foursome from the Athens Games in 2004. Now that you mention it, yes. <laughs> Mike, <laughs> Mike, just uh, on, on a personal note, hmm. um, so you played a phenomenal role in, in, in shaping the conversation in Cape Town. So after these two decades, Mike Wolves the person who's not analyzed anything, just the human being looking back at your life and what you've managed to achieve. Do you sit there with a sense of satisfaction, a smile on your face? How do you, how do you view the last two decades? Well, I mean, Cape Talk is a big part of my life, and it was a privilege, as I said earlier. Not many mm. people, you and I love radio. Yep. We love this business, and very few people get basically a blank slate and told, here, go and, exactly. go and start a radio station, especially exactly. a talk radio station, especially in a city like Cape Town. And one of the first things I observed, you know, people called it slap stuff, and I moved down here, and I don't think I've ever been in a place where there's so much to talk about in my life. Mm. And I keep explaining to people abroad, in talk radio around the world, we spend our life, you spend your life cranking the issues up, trying yes. to get people involved and engaged. In Cape Town and South Africa, you spend your life trying to dampen them down. Everybody calm down. <laughs> Come on, it's not as bad as you think. Everybody. Um, but we've had so much to talk about, and there's so much that happened. But I, I just think it's a... It's a uh, it's a pride at the thought that it survived. You know, mm. when you're starting something, you're not seeing much beyond launch day. Yep. And, well, if, we, and if we get to week two, we'll be pleased. And if we exactly. get to year one and year two, I never saw it in in decade long constructs. But mm. uh, when you look back and think it's here, twenty years on, and uh, I hope it's contributing to the city and making a positive yeah. difference, and people are enjoying it. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a there's a big element of of pride in in what we and I do emphasize we what the team achieved in setting up a radio station that didn't have a studio, didn't have a lineup, didn't have a transmitter, didn't have anything uh, from scratch. Yeah. It, was, uh, it, was a, it was a big challenge, and it took its toll, but it was, uh, it was a privilege, and well, I, I'm, I'm very proud of it. Almost tantamount to walking on water, really. Uh, Mario, you've got something for us. Wonderful to hear you, Mike. Um, I must tell you, I miss your fashion advice. I have no idea <laughs> what to wear these days. Please help. I'll, t I'll send a photograph of Mike today. He still has his fashion sense. Yeah, anyone anyone who takes my fashion advice seriously is in, <laughs> has got serious problems in their life. They really oh. have. But no, I had a lot of fun with that. No, I had a lot of fun on air. I think I enjoyed being on air more than I enjoyed managing. Yeah. Ultimately, uh, I'd rather make problems for other people than be the person who had to solve the problems. So I enjoyed being on air. I enjoyed doing afternoon drive, morning drive, and, and that was uh, setting up the station was a challenge and wonderful, but being on air was fun. Well, as someone who's benefited from all the hard work you've put in, I just want to thank you for the contribution. Yourself, Brett, and you know the team that started this radio station. Yeah, lots of people. Yeah. Brett Hilton Bubba, John Walls, who set up the sales yes. team so so brilliantly. John Matham, mm. who constructed, who had to find a news team out of nowhere and hired some amazing yeah. people. Jane Dutton, Bruce Whitfield, exactly. Janine Villamans, Charlotte Kilbane, Marianne Merton, they were, Natanya Mulholland. They were all on that first news team. Uh, Bobby Brown. I mean, it was an extraordinary news team, which John found. So there were a lot of people doing a lot of work uh, in, uh, at a very high pace uh, to get this station up and running. And October the 14th, yeah, the, the 14 tenors 
Uh, there's not too many left around now. No. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, what a, what a pleasure and a privilege. Thanks, Kino. Great Thank pleasure to be so here. so much. Former Thank Breakfast you. Show host, former General Manager of 567 Medium Wave Cape Talk, that is Mike Wills. And if you remember the elections in 2004, that's when the ANC got that 45% vote. You remember the stories that stood up in 2004 right here on Cape Talk. You know what to do? 